Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. So you were just talking about Bill Belichick and the Atlanta Falcons and Jerry seeing a headline where maybe that relationship is not going to happen. Bill Belichick not coaching the Falcons, but out on the West Coast... The rumors and the headlines are different with the Chargers and Jim Harbaugh as he was down there for a second interview and the word that was used in the reports was striking distance. They're in within striking distance of hiring Jim Harbaugh. I happen to love Jim Harbaugh. I loved him as a NFL head coach. I loved him at Michigan. I think he's quirky and great and works with quarterbacks tremendously well. Uh, His defenses in college were very good. His defenses, the 49ers, were very good. So he is going to. I I would be in that division. I understand there's a lot of good teams there. But he will get the absolute best out of Justin Herbert. I have no doubt in my mind the way that Justin Herbert is prepared, his talent, good guy, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I think Jim Harbaugh is the best coach available to make him into what all Charger fans want him to be. I'll tell you who the best coach available is to make him the best player he can be. His name is Ben Johnson. He's the offense coordinator for the Detroit Lions. Never runs, been head coach, though. I know. Runs an unbelievable offense. But he's going to be the head coach of the Commanders. I told you that. So you're telling me that's that's a lock. Yeah. Head coach of the Commanders. Yes. Ben Johnson. Yes. Grain of salt spot? Nope. Lock spot. Lock spot. Lock spot. And I'm telling you what's going on in Atlanta. Okay. Telling you. Oh, the whole thing with the... Belichick uh, sits down with Arthur Blank. They have a great meeting. Mm-hmm. Belichick knows. Look, I want I want a tight building. I want everybody in that building to be pulling in the same direction. I am not stepping... I don't have to because I'm Bill Belichick. I'm not stepping into a building where I have to inherit certain people at certain levels of the organization that I don't believe are going to have our best interest in hand. Mm. And the way that I see things is this way. The way this other person see things may be that way. And I know that going in. So I'm not taking a job unless all this other stuff is wiped out. Yeah. I mean, and that, and Bill Belichick could do that. I mean, and that's what he has to do. That's what he built in New England for all those years. And you can say whatever you want about the last three years or four years without Tom Brady. But for the years that he had Tom Brady there and, and they worked together. Man, you never you never heard anything coming out of that building. No, I mean, and he had characters there. Obviously, I mean, listen, they had the Aaron Hernandez thing when Belichick was there. That was crazy. That was nuts. That did happen uh, under his watch. But for the most part, the stuff that you're talking about, 
uh, where you have a lot of drama, social media, nonsense, some of the crap that you see come out of the Jets building. None of that stuff. You tend to forget. You know, he had Charlie Weiss up there, Scott Pioli up there, Nick Cassero up there. Uh, You know, he had all these coaches that have come and gone through there and never a bad word ever said about Bill Belichick by anybody. I mean, there may be a player or somebody that may be disgruntled somewhere along the line. But every player that I have seen that has talked about Coach Belichick has said they're better because of him. And that goes all the way back to Lawrence Taylor with the Giants. Yeah. And I don't care what anybody says. You know, he may be he might run a tough ship, but they win most of the time they win. And, um, you know, if he is sitting down with an owner and the owner is willing to give him control of the organization, the football part of it, then you got to give him total control. You can't you can't have him inherit people that have been a part of a losing organization. Yeah, I mean, and some of these owners, they are loyal to certain guys and that's a tough decision for them. But the term that you always use is ruthless. And if Arthur Blank wants to bring in a guy like Bill Belichick, Unfortunately, some of the guys he likes in the building may have to go, and that's the decision he's going to have to make. He's got a pretty good team. They have a, obviously they've drafted reasonably well over the last few years. They just couldn't. They can't find a quarterback like you know half the teams in the league. But, More than half, right? But I know one thing: the the immediate credibility that he would bring to the Falcons is, would it would be off the charts. It would be off the charts. It would be like drafting. Um, you know, Matt Ryan and having Kyle Shanahan there with Dan Quinn, that's when they were the Dirty Birds, you know, and they were really good and getting better and better and better. And then all of a sudden, Matt Ryan won an MVP, took them to a Super Bowl. They most likely should have won. But unfortunately for them, you know, the defense kind of imploded there at the end. You know, the Dirty Birds were really, unfortunately, as you said, those two words and my gut goes into knots. Yes, I The know. true Dirty Birds mm-hmm. were the 1998 Atlanta Falcons under Dan Reeves and Jamal Anderson, Chris Chandler. And when Dan Reeves was doing the Dirty Bird, which yes. something like this, we have an arm and an out and an arm and an out and a yeah. flap. Yeah. And he was doing that on the Metrodome turf. Part of me died. You know, when I, when I, when I think about Dan Reeves being there, it makes me think about Bill Belichick going there. Because mm. Dan Reeves was one of the most respected guys in the history of the NFL. Absolutely. And I kind of think that that would be a kind of a parallel situation. And I think after that, like, because Arthur Blank came in, was it was he owning the team then? I'd have to go back and look. But after Dan Reeves, all the coaches they had hired, I think, were first-time head coaches. Yeah, and they never worked. Well, Except I, for Dan Quinn. Yeah, Dan Quinn got into a Super Bowl, but then he has the biggest blown lead in the history of the world on his resume. This is always going to be a Nick Town. Yeah, it's the one. I think it's. I feel like it's the one sports team where ninety percent of the basketball, if not ninety five percent of the basketball fans here, are Nick fans. Yeah, even like, when they were say, terrible. If like, you want to say, mean, you know, seventy thirty Yankees Mets or whatever year sixty forty uh, Jets Giants sixty forty. If you want to do it that way, I mean, the Nets aren't even relevant. No, in the Knicks space, that's right. The Knicks are in the stratosphere because they're the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, think about history. Right, in recent history, too, you had the early 2000s, Jason Kidd and Kenyon Martin and Richard Jefferson and those teams going to NBA Finals, and the Knicks were struggling. I remember the 2004 first round, the Knicks with uh, Tim Thomas and Keith Van Horn, some miserable basketball team that they had with Isaiah Thomas being the coach, got swept by the Nets. Uh, They were just... So the Nets, and then the Nets with Kevin Durant, and obviously... 
uh, Kyrie Irving and James Harden, they, they also came in and, and took a lot of headlines. So the point being that no matter what the Nets do, winning, and they didn't you know win a championship back then, but they went to NBA Finals, either winning or, or stealing the back page headlines are just, it's never, even when the Knicks stink, the fans hate the franchise, they got problem with Dolan, they got all sorts of nonsense, and losing year after losing year, they're still going to be bigger and more important and more relevant than that franchise will ever be. And the Knicks, you can make an argument that the Knicks prior to this Leon Rose, Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle movement, that they were one of the most pathetic franchises in sports today. Uh, in this country, there was—I mean, they were that—they were that bad. It was that embarrassing. Uh, so that just shows you that the fan base is strong. It went through all of that and reaping the benefits now. And I still believe they're one player away from being a team that could be favored to go to an NBA Finals. But right now, they're going to give everybody hell. You know they are. And even if they don't have a Joel Embiid or a or a Giannis or a Jimmy Butler, uh, they are deep. They are tough. They are seasoned now after going to the playoffs last year. I mean, the, the, you don't want to mess with them. You don't want to see them do in the you playoffs. Think, uh, do you think somehow, some way, Kyle Lowry finds his way to the Knicks? Potentially. A buyout I, I mean, by the Hornets, and you bring him in, and he's a backup to Jalen Brunson, and he's a veteran, and he can, you know, you know, I'm not talking about a guy that's going to come in and play 20 minutes. No. I'm talking about a guy that understands his role and wants to be a legitimate vet that plays defense, can shoot threes, but doesn't have to be the guy with the heavy load because that's Jalen Brunson's world. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have an issue with it. I mean, I think that when when some fans see oh, Kyle Lowry, like, oh, what a what a waste, he's over the hill. I mean, you, you wouldn't be bringing him in to save the world. You'd be bringing him in to do exactly what you're talking about. He played with OG Ananobi when that team won a championship up in Toronto. He's a veteran. He understands what it is to win. Uh, I I would not bring in Derrick Rose here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so right, but and even more so because of the, you know, the the experience in in a championship environment. So yeah, I I I wouldn't have an issue with it at all. I'm not trading for him because no. I think the Hornets going to have to buy him out. I would imagine. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, but that that definitely I think would help the, the roster currently. And I would think that if you were Kyle Lowry, you'd be thinking, okay, that would be like the perfect team for me to go to. I think you would think that. Again, he's 37. You know, he's used to being the man. I don't know whether or not, you know, they. you have to shelve your ego. If you're coming to the Knicks, the one thing I will say, like I thought Josh Hart, I think OG and Nobi, like I don't sense that they have these big egos. Like they want to be a part of a winning culture and a winning team, and they'll play defense, and they'll do all the little things that Tom Thibodeau is talking about. And I was glad to see that Hart got the extension by the Knicks when, when they finally were able to give him one. Because I felt like he, when he got here last year, he had a definite immediate impact, much like OG Ananobi has. Yes, and those are two critical trades that Leon Rose has made, and he's found the right mix. And you got to give him credit for being patient, not making the stupid deal. A lot of people at first blush didn't like Emmanuel quickly and R.J. Barrett being traded. I, I have the text messages to this day where I said I loved it the second that I heard it. I think people are just not familiar with, with OG Ananobi and his, his winning basketball play and how, I mean, you saw him last night with the steals and, and, and how he contributes all sorts of ways and fills up the stat sheet. So all I know is he goes a hundred miles an hour up and down the court. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's perfect. He's just yes. absolutely perfect. And, uh, for this team and where they are right now. And he's not going to be asked to score 20 points a game, although he could do that if he wanted to. Um, you know, he doesn't need the ball in his hand. Remember that whole thing? 
about how R.J. Barrett couldn't like really fit right with with Julius Randle. Yeah, because both need the ball. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's not who O.G. Ananobi is, and I didn't understand that totally until now. I see what it looks like. Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, and, and some of those things. You know, are just you don't know how it's going to work until they're out there and they're playing. But that's what the GM and the coach have to figure out. They they have to watch these guys on film and then say this guy's skill set fits exactly to what we're trying to do. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. And with this particular trade, it has worked perfectly. Well, you know that obviously playing against the guy and you see how they impact your team negatively when you're playing against them. You're saying that's the kind of guy that we need on our team. And I think that's what the Knicks did here. Yeah, and there were so many wasted regular seasons over the last number of years where I was just so pissed off with the same guys coming back. We'd make the same comments. And could this guy take a next step? Could that guy take a next step? Maybe this, maybe that. And it just never worked out. And you'd be sitting here in late January with a dead team on your hands that you got no joy out of. And you got the exact opposite of that right now. And regular season basketball is is not exactly the most entertaining thing in the world. But the Knicks make it entertaining because they play hard. They play defense. And they're doing things that they haven't done in a very long time. And consistently. And they came back after last year and have gotten better. Uh, so it's, it's great. You want to watch regular season basketball. And you want to see them because you know they're going to show up. They're going to play hard. They're going to try to win every single night. It's great. I mean, it's, it's great for uh, the fan that's been dying for this. You don't know what I'm saying. How that team has been energized by the trade. Mm-hmm. And you could see, like, everybody's elevated. And everybody now has a much better understanding of their role.